Hello, my friends. Hello. This is Airy in the Air. Recording a podcast called Airy in the Air. Isn't that convenient? Doesn't that seem better? I agree. Thanks for tuning in today. Glad you're here. Before we get started, just want to do a little housekeeping. First of all, I want to tell you about this uh, video series that has been launched recently that I've been creating with one of my great sponsors, Keen. It's called the Area in the Air series, who would have thought, and it's an adventure travel web series. And the first episode is from China. Uh, those of you who have been tuning in for a while remember my travels through China for an international slackline competition where we set the world record for longest waterline ever rigged. And we then went to a paragliding site called Linzhou in rural China where we did a paragliding competition and had a really great time, ate some awesome chicken soup. And uh, yeah, the video is now live on YouTube or Keen's Facebook, those kind of things. You could just Google Keen Area in the Air China. That would do it. Um, but yeah, it's a really great video. I worked really hard on it. I was the writer, director, editor, sound guy, color corrector, motion graphics I didn't do. <laughs> um, so I'm kind of the, it's kind of my baby. And I think it's the greatest thing that I've ever created. It's the highest quality film that I've ever made. And I'm really proud of it. So I'd love for you to check it out. Check it out on Keen's YouTube page. Um, and we have greenlit the rest of season one of the Area in the Air series. So next month we are going to Italy. We're going to the Dolomites. We're going to set up an awesome high line. We're going to do some mountain biking. We're going to eat pasta. We're also going to go to Lake Garda. Beautiful, beautiful place. And we're going to train acrobatics paragliding over the lake. We're going to eat some delicious food. We're going to meet some awesome Italians. We're going to see the culture. We're going to see the food. And we're actually going to change the format of the video a little bit. I'm going to be... Instead of going on an experience and then coming back and narrating it to you, I'm going to go and I'm going to guide you through the country. I'm going to guide you through the cuisine. I'm going to introduce you to the locals and talk to you on camera about the things that we're experiencing and what it's like. So things are getting better and better all the time. So we hope that you'll tune in for that. Also, just want to tell you that earlier this week we did create the longest high line in Oregon and maybe even in on the west coast I'm not super sure but uh, it was 370 meters which is 1215 feet it was very beautiful incredible and the lessons I learned by walking across it I will share with you in the next podcast episode so hope you'll stay tuned for that so let's get started today make your own mark when I say make your own mark, I don't mean leave your impact in the world, but I guess in a way you could interpret it as that. This is a subject that I've kind of touched on briefly in the episode on judgment. This is something that I've kind of touched on in the episode, The Pinnacle of Relationships, but I really want to dive into it deep here. 
I think it's really important. It's the most empowering, most liberating thing that you can do as an adult. It is something that will wash away the lessons that you were taught as a child and wash away the implications and expectations that your parents had on you, that your society had on you, religion and all those things. So I think there's something that I've noticed that I'm not sure that you have. And in short, it is that society over time tries to break down the concepts of good and evil, the concepts of right and wrong. They try to take the individual's ability to determine through principles what is right and what is wrong, and they try to mush it into this slimy, gray, bullshit cloud of confusion that the collective owns. And they do this so that people can get away with grave injustice and horrific violence. I could talk about Mao's China or Mussolini's Italy or the Khmer Rouge of Cambodia, but you're probably more familiar with Hitler's Germany, so we'll just talk about that. You can imagine that if all of the citizens of Hitler's Germany had very firm understanding of principles, of the non-aggression principle, if they knew that the initiation of the use of force was wrong and immoral, then first of all, they would oppose any government and especially those who would use force. So the people would stand up on their principles and be able to dispel and throw away the ideas that were being put forth, that were violent and wrong and immoral. But they weren't. This downplaying of right and wrong, good and evil, this collective ownership of what is good and bad, enables governments and people to say that the ends justify the means, which they never do. They get to try to justify the use of force against innocent people because it is for the good of the collective. And that's wrong. That's wrong. The lesson that is in the camp of Auschwitz is not about how bad the Germans were. No, the lesson is about you. The lesson is that you are capable of grave, grave injustice, of grave violence, of horrible, horrible things. And you need to accept that very quickly. Otherwise, you're likely to be that. If you can't accept the own shadows of your personality, of your humanity, then they are likely to take hold of your actions in a subconscious, unseen way. So, if you think that you could have never been an Auschwitz guard, you are wrong. You are wrong. You could have been an Auschwitz guard. You would have been caught up in the fervor. Just as you've been caught up in the hatred of Donald Trump in the 
injustices of the Me Too movement, of all these crazy things. All these crazy things. The lesson from Nazi Germany was that you too could have been an Auschwitz guard. You too could have been convinced that the ends justify the means and that the initiation of the use of force was justifiable for the good of the collective, which it absolutely was not. So, it's important that you realize the shadows of your own personality, of your own intellect, of your own humanity, and that you stand firmly on principles so that those sides of you don't take hold of your behavior, of your thoughts, of your actions, of your speech. So, where do we get these ideas? Where do we get the ideas of what is right and wrong to begin with? Well, our parents tell them to us. Our teachers tell them to us. Our priests, our governments. Now, we even are being indoctrinated with right and wrong from brands and celebrities, which is fucking insane to me. It's crazy. Society tells you what is right and wrong. And that is not what you want to go by. Because if you're okay listening to what is right and wrong based on society, then you are the next Auschwitz guard. You are the next Auschwitz guard. If society can tell you how to be, you are not standing on principles. You are not judging the arguments that they are putting forth by your own intellect and your own principles and understanding of right and wrong. So it's really important that you develop a firm sense of good and evil, of right and wrong, of principles that can guide your behavior so that you can't be led astray to kill a bunch of Jews in for the good of the collective, right? It's a gnarly extreme, but it's also, like if you look at modern day, can you be convinced that Healthcare is a human right so that Bernie Sanders, seemingly nice, can use the force of the American government to extract and extort money from the taxpayers to pay for people's shit? Were you? You probably were. I wasn't. At some point in my life, I was. I've gone through a long intellectual evolution that started with how did it start Hmm. it started with liberalism really and then it went to deep dark cynicism that still I haven't completely dispelled that cynicism is the idea that for things to drastically change for the better, for people to regain their liberties, there will be massive amounts of bloodshed and tyranny, which is scary and sad. I don't want that. I don't wish that. I don't want there to be massive amounts of an increase in suffering for us to go back to having our liberties as individuals, but that's something that's kind of stuck with me. But 
once I learned about philosophy, once I learned about principles, then I felt liberated, and I hope you will too. This is setting your own mark. Knowing for yourself what is right and wrong. Not depending on other people, not depending on your teachers or your priests or your government or your society to tell you what is right or wrong. So that you can be a parent. So that you can guide your children. So that you can guide your friends who are parents when they smack their child on the ass and you say, hey, 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 look, that's not right. You can't hit your kid. You can't hit your kid. You have a clear enough sense of what is right and wrong so that you're not hung up in the taboo of guiding another parent so that you'll actually step in on behalf of the child and have compassion for the parent and say, hey, you've been misled as to what is right and wrong and I want to help clear that up for you. You can't hit your child. You can't hit me. You can't hit your wife. You can't hit your husband. You cannot hit your child. It is the non-aggression principle. It is like the basis of being a decent person. So, I think that one of the most important things about becoming an adult is judging your parents. And this is something we talked about in On Judgment. And when I say judging your parents, I mean, were they right in their teachings? When they gave you a sense of what was right and what was wrong, where did that come from? How did they distill that? Where did they get it? Certainly it was partly from their parents, partly from their teachers, partly from their religions, partly from their society, partly from their authorities and their government. So we sympathize with them and we try to understand where they came up with that stuff and then we can judge it clearly to determine, okay, my parents were right about this, wrong about that. There is baby there and there is bathwater there, certainly that your parents loved you and cared for you in certain ways, and that's baby, but they spanked you, and that was bathwater. We want to throw the bathwater out, but we want to keep the baby and make it clean. So, judging your teachers, judging your priests, judging your authority and your government and your society on what they think is right and wrong so that you can make a clear distillation of what it is that you know to be right and wrong what you think to be right and wrong. So, how do we know this? How do we go about doing that? You know, we, we just have what we were given, and then we turn the system of judgment that we were given onto itself. It doesn't really allow us to have any more clarity. It can lead us to having contempt. It can lead us to having um, anger and frustration. But how do we increase our ability to see what is right and wrong so that we can actually look back at the things that we were given with some kind of insight. And I'll tell you, it's this thing that people used to do. It's called reading. And it's where you look at uh, just pieces of paper that are bound. I know it sounds really boring. Sometimes it is. But when you read, you go back and you can start to understand the history of humanity, the history of consciousness. 
and there is baby and there is bathwater in all of it. And you have to take your mind and turn it into a baby filter and a bathwater sorter. For thousands and thousands and thousands of years, people have been talking about, thinking about, writing about what is right and what is wrong. Religion is one of the oldest forms of moral advice. What is right and what is wrong, how you should behave. We've also had philosophers for thousands of years. We've also had writers, novelists, using metaphors and similes and, and examples and situations that we can help extract and refine our ideas of what is right and wrong. We've also had just general thinkers. Now we even have scientists talking about what is best practice? What is reality? Let me just talk about religions for a second here. There's a lot of them. There's a lot of them, and there's a lot of them that have been around for a really long time. And everyone knows that religions have done horrible atrocities. The Christian Crusades, thousands and thousands, millions of people have been killed in the name of religion, right? But there's baby and there's bathwater and all of that. The question is, can you sort through it to determine what was good and what was wrong? Because Jesus had some really, really great things to say about how to be. And in the last couple hundred years, we've had an influx of science and an influx of atheism, which has dispelled religion. And even myself, when I found out and when I came to terms with the idea that I had been misled, I had been, I had been told that certain things were the way, and then I came to find out that was just a particular brand of bullshit, I was contemptuous. I had contempt for my parents and for the church. And so I threw out everything. I threw out everything. But atheism has no moral guidance. It has no moral guidance. Neither does science. Science is what is. It is not what ought to be. We have taken down humanity's most powerful moral guidance, which is religion, and we have replaced it with nothing. What is filling that vacuum is killing us. What's filling the vacuum is government and violence. What is filling the vacuum is a gray cloud of collective mush, collective confusion as to what is right and what is wrong. Because we used to know pretty well that you probably shouldn't have a bunch of promiscuous sex in your teenage years so that you're more apt to pair bond. You probably shouldn't cheat on your wife for all kinds of reasons. You probably want to like get pregnant with a person who will take care of your child and take care of you. 
And if you get pregnant outside of that, then there's a lot of shame in that. There's all kinds of lessons that we could probably go back and learn again. We don't have to be pious, sore need, prayer, hungry people to do that. No, we don't. We can filter the baby. We can filter the bathwater. There are beautiful, beautiful lessons in religion that we throw out wholly. And we have to go back and learn about what was right and what was wrong. We do that with our parents. We do that with religion. We do that with philosophy. We get a framework for understanding what is right and what is wrong so that we can take any situation, any argument, any lesson, any situation, I say that twice, and push it through this framework of philosophy so that we can determine what is true, what is real, and what is good. Hmm. Seems like a lot of work, right? Seems like a lot of work. Do I really have to learn about all the world's religions? Do I really have to start reading philosophy? Well, I guess it depends. If you want to be told how to be held to other people's expectations, then no, you don't have to do anything. You can keep watching TV. You can keep being told how to be by celebrities and brands and governments. Or you can start learning about your dark side through the history of the world, the atrocities. You can start learning about principles through philosophy. You can start experimenting and filtering the lessons of religion for thousands of years as they've guided people's behavior, throwing out the bad and keeping the good. And you can make your own mark as to what is right and what is wrong and how you want to be. This is making your own mark. You are setting for yourself a guide to how you should behave. That's really nice. You get to be an adult. You get to be in control of your own life. Oh, the whims of the world. You get jerked around constantly. You're a child, you get jerked around by your parents. Then you're in school, you get jerked around by your teachers. Then you get jerked around by your peers. Then you get jerked around by your priest. Then you get jerked around by your government. Why would you want that? Set your own fucking mark. Know what is right and what is wrong. If you don't, you'll hit your kids. If you don't, when things are hard, you'll blow up. I don't want that. I don't want to blow up. I'm the middle of three boys. I have seen in myself dark and disgusting behavior. I have been beat up and I have beat up. 
No, I don't want that. I want... I hold myself to a higher standard than that. Understanding why is the most powerful tool for modifying your own behavior. Not just wanting to change your behavior, but having a holistic understanding of why it is right to be that way is how you actually change your behavior for the long term. Okay, so now that you've taken the baby from the bathwater, now that you've revisited the history of humanity and consciousness and heard the arguments on both sides and distilled from all of that your own framework, what do you do? You speak it. You desire accountability and you seek it out. You talk to your friends and your family about how you want to be and you tell them that you expect them to hold you to the standards that you put forth. Then you continue to refine your ideas and you continue to speak them to the people that matter to you and that are around you. This is setting your own mark. You set that thing high. You set it high. It's going to hurt when you don't hit your mark. It's going to hurt when you don't hit your mark. But it hurts much less than having people jerk you around with their expectations of your behavior. It's much more fulfilling to be led by your own expectations of your own behavior than someone else's. It's also much better if you understand wholly why you have the expectations of your behavior that you have. Hmm. Make your own mark. And then find people who will hold you to it. And I said this in The Pinnacle of Relationships. It is the idea that when you're off your mark, the people who are close to you and know your mark have a very powerful tool for helping you because they don't need to say, hey, I don't like that you're doing this, blah, 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 blah. They don't have to chastise you. They don't have to demean you. All they have to say is, hey, remember when you told me what your mark was? This, you're off your mark. You're off your mark. You don't have to be chastised. You've made it very clear as to what you expect of yourself. And those people can tell you, you're off of the mark that you set for yourself. You're not being held to some government standard. You're not being held to some social taboo. You're held to the standard that you set for yourself. You are held to your own mark. And that is a much better way to guide yourself, to be guided and to guide people. So I encourage you, read and learn the atrocities of humanity so that you don't repeat them in your own family, in your own relationships. Learn to distill the baby from the bathwater so that you can get what is beautiful out of things that are even shrouded and ugly. 
So much to think about. So much to think about. Set your mark high, folks. We'll see you on the other side. Thanks for listening. Take care.